Welcome to the My Haunt Life Podcast. Hello and welcome to the My Haunt Life Podcast. I'm Mike. And I'm Russell. And the back-to-back convention weekends are over. And yes. this is our Scarlet episode. We just finished up going to Scarlet over the past weekend. And there was uh, much to be seen and done. And we tried to fit as much as possible. And we're going to talk about some of it. <laughs> some of it. <laughs> <laughs> or all of it that we could fit in. <laughs> That's what she said. Um, yeah, and Scarily this year was at the LA Convention Center. Uh, it moved up from the Pasadena Convention Center. And I don't know, like, it's cool because there was a lot of room, but I think they had a lot of room. They did have a lot of room. And I think the where it works to the advantage is uh, mainly on the vendor area. Yeah. And it's weird, though, because I almost feel like it was an optical illusion because there were a ton of people there. Yeah, there but were. Because they had so much room, the aisles were wider and there was there was more space in between everything. And I think because of that, especially coming from Midsummer Scream, where everything was so packed in. Right. It was hard to walk through aisles. So when you see when you compare and contrast it, you know, it might have been the same amount of people. It might have been more people, but it didn't seem like that many people because of that. Right. And I actually prefer the wider aisles because it does allow you to flow through the floor quicker. Oh, one of the things I can't stand about conventions are the people that walk like one step every minute. And it's like <laughs> you try to go around and you can't because there's the oncoming traffic of the other side. And it's like, ah, oh, just move. Yeah. Should, oh, conventions should have. Okay. People have fast pass lanes and stuff for haunts and things. There should be like a fast pass aisle, like where like, okay, slow people that want to look at every booth, you be in this aisle and the people that are walking through can be in this, this aisle. And actually this, uh, for Scare became a big thing because the vendor floor was actually surrounded by stages where classes and even mixed into the vendor floor were some areas where classes were being done, uh, movement stuff was being done on the vendor floor. So being able to move around and get from area to area from one side of the vendor floor to the other was actually, I think, more of a key thing at Scarlet than the previous convention. Yeah. And the wider aisles definitely helped with that traffic flow. And just like last time, uh, we are going to not give you the links as we're talking. Um, the links will all be in the show notes. Um, we're still in that process of gathering our own notes. So we haven't even had a chance to check out websites and Instagrams and stuff like that. So all the information for everything we talk about will be in the show notes. One of the, the things that they had announced was the It VR experience because mm -hmm. it came from Comic-Con and had a huge turnout. And it's funny because... You came a little later than I did. Yeah. But I was there at opening. And even at opening, the line was just huge. It was right. like, how did it get this long? The doors aren't even open yet. <laughs> but it was it was nuts. And like that's one of the, the first things you saw when you walked in um, outside of the Scarlet Pumpkins. Um, but to the right of that. Which that was beautifully pre presented because it was actually in a school bus. Yeah. They actually brought in a school bus and you waited in line to enter this school bus from the film. And uh, what happened inside was very creepy. Yeah, it was really well done and really cool. Um, and there were two parts, which mm -hmm. was neat. Uh, so the first part is 
it was like a haunt. It was a it was more of a Almost. soundscape than yeah. anything else. Uh, they kind of painted an oral picture of of you know the you you stepped into. How would you describe that? A uh, sewer. Yeah, but uh, not just a typical sewer. I didn't know there were different types of sewers. So, well, first of all, this one fit humans, and <laughs> but the floor. Yeah, the water was running underneath with yeah all of the uh, the things that people may have dropped or taken from them and thrown. Yeah, there were underneath the floor, underneath your feet, there were children's articles like dolls and shoes, and there was a paper boat, which, if you know it, is very significant. Mm-hmm. So, and you stood there for a little while, and a sound played around you. Yeah, the details were really well done, the mm-hmm. attention to detail. Um, you just stood in a sewer pipe and yep. listened. And you heard creepy things. You heard music. Uh, you may have felt things, something. Yes. <laughs> which was awesome. A little um, bit of a jump scare. Yeah, back twice, actually. Oh, no, just one. once. Once, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, just once, but then twice where you got stuff happening. <laughs> We're we're trying to be obtuse because I believe that is going to be touring. Yeah, exactly. Um, so then after that room, they move you into the VR experience. And that was awesome. They had swivel chairs and I think they used an Oculus. Um, and one of the first things I said after we left Russell, and I know you know where I'm going, is because we have PSVR, those Oculus goggles were so uncomfortable. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Like, good job, Sony. Like, no one from Sony listens to this. So it's like, but man, like PSVR, like, cause I mean, that's probably, that, oh, it was so much more comfortable. Yeah. It's it just, uh, these were very, very, I, I think they were designed deliberately to make it as easy as possible for per- people to slip them on and slip them off because they were moving so many people through. What you did is you moved it in a group of what was there nine people with us? I think, I think so around that. So like nine people in nine chairs, you went in, you sat down and they literally just like put on the goggles, put on the goggles, put on the goggles first, then now put on the headphones, put on the headphones, put on the headphones. And as soon as you, and, and seriously, if you didn't get them on immediately, they started that experience as soon as like the first pair of goggles went on. Oh yeah. Because when I got mine on, it was actually, the camera was already moving. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they had to, I mean, the line was wrapped all around their, their area, I guess you could say. And what did you think of the experience itself? It was fun. Like, it was really fun. There was some jump scares in there. Um, it was cool seeing the new Pennywise. You know, I mean, it's going to be, it's a, obviously a teaser and it's marketing for the film, but it made me want to see the film. Yeah, it, it did. It did. I was, I was, I was one of those cynical people, even though I'm usually not the cynical one. I was one of those cynical people when they first announced that it was going to be made. I was like, you know what? Everyone knows the iconic TV show. And, and yes, the TV series doesn't live up to the potential of what the book is, but, you know, it, it's so iconic and it's such an iconic performance from Tim Curry. Um, you know that cast very well. And there are some really iconic sequences from the TV miniseries. So I, I was like, why? And now that I've seen more of the new trailer and the marketing I really am looking forward to this. And this made me look forward to it even more. Now, as far as the VR stuff goes, they did some really subtle 
nice stuff. And one of the my favorite moments in the VR thing, Mike, was when uh, I'm and I, I, I his name just went out of my head. The little kid's name is Georgie. I don't remember. I, I'm I'm drawing a blank. I'm sorry. Um, but he appears. The child who floats the boat and 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 disappears appears in this VR experience for a moment and walks away. And he sort of walks out of your line of vision. And I don't know if you did this, but I literally felt myself, I, I leaned over trying to get a different point of view because it was a VR world. Mm-hmm. And I actually was like like leaning, I, I'm leaning my chair right now, moving away from the microphone. Uh, I actually leaned over and tried to peer around the corner where he went. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, and that that's probably coming from Resident Evil 7, like playing it in VR and like looking around corners. And But it makes me wonder what, like what everybody else looked like, you know, because we have been, we have done a bunch of VR. So, you know, we know to look up and down and around, you know, and I wonder how many people like just stared straight ahead, like, you know, a traditional movie kind of thing. It's interesting because you know what? I I made the mistake at first of, I didn't use the swivel chair. Oh, that added a lot. And, and what I realized is um, when, there was a moment where you needed to look down into your right. Mm-hmm. And I literally was looking straight forward, t- twisting my body and looking down into the right. And I'm like, wait a minute. I sat down in a swivel chair. Why am I doing this? <laughs> it took me a moment. And then I went actually move. I was like, oh, this makes it so much better. Um, there were a couple of really nice jump scares, uh, really good atmosphere. You went, I, I, they're concentrating heavily in the marketing on the sewer stuff. And you floated through the sewer. And there was a nice... Um, there was a nice float sequence in this VR, which I thought was quite lovely. That was great. The way they utilized balloons was the high point for me in the VR. And I don't want to say what happens, but the ending of that, where all the balloons start to vanish, that was extremely cool for me. And I want to know if they're going to utilize that in the film because mm. it's such a great idea and a great image. So I'm I'm really curious. I, I my my curiosity is peaked for the movie. That's for sure. Yeah. So that was that was great. So if it comes to your town or it comes around again somewhere and you get a chance to see it, definitely check it out. It's it's really good. And it's probably a total of maybe like ten minutes. Yeah. Totally. Um, so it's up to you to decide if waiting in a line that's X amount of minutes long is worth it for that experience. Um, but from what I've heard from people that have waited. Uh, it was worth it. Like, I think I talked to someone that waited an hour and a half and they they said it was worth it. So, Oh, very cool. Yeah. And then after that, we tried to knock out a bunch of the haunts in the, um, in, in Scarywood. Yeah. Scarywood was the, uh, in Hall B at the Los Angeles Convention Center. And that was the area where a couple of things had set up shop. And, uh, one that you had mentioned to me from Midsummer Scream that was going to be at Scarylla, Mike. Apartment 213. Yeah, I was really excited to see that they had a presence there because at Midsummer Scream, it was just some random posters and a website. And I think someone was passing out flyers at one point. And judging by the posters and judging by, you know, what they said in the website, I thought this was a new extreme haunt. Um, But what we saw at at Scarlet made it seem that it was not going to be a haunt. But then again, I don't know. Yeah, I, you described it as theater. It's like because I, yeah. I I came out and I said, "What did you think that was?" And you said, "It it was theater." Yeah, because you were sitting and watching something happen, mm-hmm. and you know you did move to to another room, um, and the actors were around you. 
but you you know if we go to noah's definition of immersive theater you know if the audience wasn't there could that show still happen and yes that show still could have happened uh so i wouldn't call it immersive theater but yeah it was just kind of like horror theater Mm -hmm. Uh, i agree with that assessment i really do and and i was i mean i thought there were pros and cons to what they presented at scarlet i think the room that they built because you did you felt like you walked into a very creepy home. Yeah. And the there was a dinner table set up. There was uh, creepy furniture. They came in and they sat you down in front of a television and you watched an, uh, a family disagreement sort of unfold. And all of that, the, the atmosphere was very effective, very creepy, very dark. It was very awkwardly staged because they sat us down facing away from the main performer of the scene our right. literally our backs were to the scene. Right. And you had to turn around on the couch and to watch it, which um, either that was done deliberately to make us feel awkward or it was a poor choice. I don't know which it was. I'd like to think it was done on purpose because if you think about it, if you think about going to someone's house, you know, you think you're welcome, you're getting comfortable and then awkwardness happens behind you you don't know whether you should watch or, you know, leave the room or stare straight forward. You know, obviously, because this is, you know, happening, you know, you're supposed to watch. But I think if this was real life, that situation, you become even that more awkward because you're hearing it, even though you're not seeing it. Right. Talking to a few other people, um, like some people felt there was a Kurt Cobain reference made in in the room. I didn't take it as that way um you uh were led into a second portion which i thought was very interesting and had sort of um how would you describe that character mike i i don't demony <laughs> demon-esque demonish yeah demon-y. like maybe like a physical manifestation of one of their consciences yeah, my 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 weird interpretation was that it might be responsible for all of the pain and frustration and arguing that was going on around us so that's sort of like because that character did not speak but the other characters did right and i and i you know that was my own personal interpretation so it it was when we walked out i was a little confused as to what i was supposed to walk out feeling because i didn't feel scared right at all you witnessed an argument that sort of escalated. And at one point there were some threats made toward us as Mm -hmm. the audience, but yelling doesn't scare me. Yeah. And I think that's might be why you said this was theater is because you watched a dramatic scene unfold, but you weren't involved. And yeah, it was, I I was confused by what I was supposed to get from this. Yeah. And, and that's the thing too. It's, a new company and it's a teaser for something that they're going to do. You know, I, I don't know what the future holds for their show. Mm -hmm. If it's going to go more down this road, or if this was maybe something they just wanted to get up to be involved with Scarole. Like, I I don't know. You know, I definitely want to know more about them. Like it definitely intrigued me enough to, to keep following them and keep wanting to know more information. Um, So whatever they have planned, I'm excited to hear about. I do feel the same way about that, uh, mainly because of that final character you meet. 
because I like when when I turned the corner and saw that character, it was like, whoa, did not see that coming. Right. Like had no idea we were going into that territory, whether it be demonic, whether it be supernatural, whether it be into their mind. Like that was a twist that really surprised me. And and if you notice, I went right over and sat down <laughs> next to the character. Of course you did. Because <laughs> we, we, were, we were told, like, sit over there. And like, hey, yeah, um, I'll go hang with the creepy guy. Um, <laughs> so I definitely am interested in learning more. I definitely want to learn more. Yeah. And we walked out of that, Mike, and right next to Apartment 213, there was a very small, short walkthrough, um, which in the program is credited to Albert Rees. I hope I'm pronouncing that last name correctly. <laughs> I'll be totally honest. I'm not sure. But um, he, uh, I know that he is a home haunter from the Pasadena area. And the reason I know that is because he actually volunteered for a haunt that I worked on with Evil Twin Studios. Oh, cool. So hadn't seen him in quite some time. And his walkthrough is very unique and very different. You entered, how would you describe this? <laughs> A home. A, a home, but you, you walk through the, the creepy hallways of a home and the artwork on the walls is all very dark, skull-oriented, um, uh, lots of odd facial expressions. I, uh, I, and, and here's the other thing, which I'm sure you noticed, Mike, a lot of it in black and white. Yeah. Which was, the, the I think, the really cool thing about the whole tone of his walkthrough. And uh, there were a couple of minor jump scares here and there, which were effective. No, the real, hold on. Yes. <laughs> like, you know, we always talk about, like, you know, the haunts we go to at conventions. Like, oh, cool. Like, jump scares. Like, you know, but this might have, these might have had, like, some of the best ones. And there's two reasons for that. One, mm -hmm. the placement, like, well, three, I guess, the placement and the timing and the fact that it seemed like, you know, maybe it's this daughters or, you know, because they were little kids, you know, yeah. and we mentioned this about the clown house when we walked through, went through last year. It's like when you have kids acting, it brings such a whole new level of creepiness and fright. And they, he had, he had effective creepy yeah, kids. Yeah, <laughs> he really did. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, yeah, a couple of the jump scares were definitely, uh, you know, you definitely have to credit those kids for knowing what they were doing. Um, so at least when we walked through, like they were on it for sure. Uh, and again, I, I am drawn to the artwork and on the outside of this, there was some, there was like a huge skull sort of painting or carving or something on the wall that I was really drawn to. I kept noticing it every time I walked by. So congratulations on that. I, I hope that he is home haunting this year. I hope he's doing something in the Pestina area, which is where last time I ran into him, I know he was. Unfortunately, in the Scare LA program, there's not a lot of information about uh, the experiences they have in the Scarywood area and that whole adjacent section of the hall where, you know, like uh, we just mentioned Apartment 213, you know, Albert Rees, Heretic was set up there. There's another scare house called Rizzo we're about to talk about. But the program doesn't really talk about any of the backstory or anything. Right. And I, I actually wish that would, the program had given more information. So, and actually, uh, Rizzo Scarehouse is what we did next, wasn't it? Yeah. What did you think of that? This was what I was expecting would be in this area, uh, mm -hmm. like more of this, because this was a, a somewhat big 
it was um, lengthy maze and it was a traditional haunt mm-hmm. like it was it was awesome there they had a lot of actors the makeup was great um a lot of good scares a lot of ways they could utilize the same actors in different spots of the walkthrough. Oh, damn you. I was going to point that out. <laughs> well, go ahead. <laughs> so that uh, Actually, the direction you were going, uh, the techniques they used to disorient you included fog, strobe light or direct light in your face as you were walking down a narrow corridor and actors appearing through the light. The, the switchback of the maze actually gave multiple opportunities for the like one actor to scare you two or three times in two or three different places. The uh, Rizzo Scarehouse knows what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And I walked out of there going like, who are you people? <laughs> like, because you're not amateurs. <laughs> it's like, like, you've designed this really well. And the fact that they, they took that care and design to bring it to a convention it's like and apparently they are a home haunt mm-hmm. and uh, uh what area are they in oh uh, i they're i think they're in the ie uh, i think i don't remember i remember Susie was talking to them about it i think it's cl- like redlands maybe like i am I don't so know. sorry like i didn't write a, a note down about it so um hopefully if you go to the scarily website uh and and you want to learn more about the home haunts uh rizzo scare house will be listed there the, these are experienced home haunters it's like the techniques you know, like you brought up and like i said that was the thing that surprised me it was like just wow like you really really planned this out well for this convention floor and um yeah and i agree with the costuming thing it was a very uh white and red and black motif which was really stark and in under the strobe lights all of the that works really really well mm-hmm. yeah I, I i enjoyed this for like set production design there was none (laughs) other than the fact that it was black plastic walls that you had to find your way through um so the fact that they were able to get the scares out of it that they were able to get is really effective nicely done yeah and i went through this a couple times actually i didn't know that yeah just because it's it was a haunt Mm -hmm. you know and i was like okay again please (laughs) Yeah, and then after that, we went to see Debbie's Halloween 3D UV light maze. Say that three times fast. (laughs) This was fun. Yeah. This was, I think this was here last year. I think it was too. Because I remember, I was like, wait a minute, this looks familiar for some reason. And literally it is a maze that you walk through wearing 3D glasses and they use a lot of the fluorescent paint, uh, which pops in 3D and... It was like a circus funhouse uh, with horror overtones, more horror overtones than you would normally find in a circus funhouse for some people. Um, my favorite, Mike, was you got to a section, you know, I don't like spiders. So you got to a section where the spiders, there was a spider web on the wall and the spiders just sort of leapt out in space towards you. And I absolutely, I literally went all the way around that room just like looking at the the spiders from different perspectives and got up close to them and then moved back <laughs> i i loved that area but there's lots of really really fun surprises in this yeah and it's really cool just what you know this was just done with paint and like 3d glasses mm-hmm. like it's just it's in in black lights like it it's just nuts what our brains do when you combine certain things right you know and see and seeing this like you know and this wasn't scary it's just 
really really cool i i uh, i was unable to go through this last year uh the 3d one last year and i was so happy i got to do this because it was a blast i loved this thing and i kept i did the nerdy thing of every now and then i'd take off the glasses and like wow i cannot believe this looks this way in 3d (laughs) because it's completely flat so yeah this was really fun this was goofy goofy fun and this is completely something that you could do with a home haunt. Completely. Oh, of course. I mean, it, you know, the expense of getting the glasses and, you know, that, the, the, that might the be paint, the thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the specialized paint. But no, this is absolutely something anybody could do, you know, with a little artistic talent. And, and I thoroughly enjoyed going yeah, through it. Yeah, and it's for a little, I mean, not that it's a little effort, but like the effort compared to the payoff is huge. Oh, yeah. So there was... Some other things going on in this area, uh, in in this hall, that weren't haunts. Um, one of them was something called the summoning. And already, you know, anything that makes you do something before you can enter just kind of rubs me the wrong way. <laughs> and when you got to this, you had to download an app. So for people that don't have unlimited phone plans or, you know, they stream music and are at, you know, it's just one of those things where it's like, come on, really? And so I did download the app. I walked through and the rooms in the environment was really cool. Extremely cool. Yeah. But the app didn't work. Like, I guess you're supposed to see ghosts and stuff. Like if you look at certain places in the room, nothing happened. Right. And by the way, the name of the app was the Clever Fox app. Mm-hmm. So um, I did this diff- at a different time than you, Mike. And I had the same experience. I walked up, downloaded the app, and I was lucky enough. Was there a line for you? No. Okay. Yeah. I walked up and, and it was, I walked, uh, it just it happened at a, at a lull. And, and I just walked over to the guy and I went, you know, explain to me what this is, please. And, and he gave me the the pitch of download the app you go through you scan everything in the room and you see ghosts so i did and i walked through and i didn't see anything nothing triggered however they were playing very cool 80s music and uh, i enjoyed the atmosphere of the room so since i and then i walked out and there was no one in line at that point so i walked up to the guy and i said okay um I don't think I'm doing this right because <laughs> I looked over someone else's shoulder and I saw a ghost on their phone. Oh, okay. But I didn't see anything on mine. So could you do me a favor? It's like you look a little slow. So could you, you know, could you tell me exactly what to scan so I can see the ghost? He was like, oh, you have an iPhone. And I went, what? <laughs> you mean the phone that most people have at this point in life? Yeah. And he said... Um, yeah, the, the app is a little problematic on the iPhone. It works much better on the Android. So (laughs) I, I I just, it was like one of those moments like, and you're not telling people this. Yeah. Like, why are you not saying, Hey, we're having issues with iPhone when you see people pull out an iPhone and other people were in the room with me also having problems and they were also having iPhones. So what he did is he told me very specifically, he said, okay, go in, scan the first poster you see, scan the first missing thing you see, see, scan this part of the wall and scan the child's face on the other wall. Like he, he gave me like four things. He said, there's, I think 
there were seven things total and he said and he gave me like four of them so i went in and i got the first one to appear on my iphone by being very very still and what i what i was doing is i was moving the phone up and down changing that angle um rather than just keeping it like eye level and i think that might have helped me a little bit and but I'm wandering around and I can't find anything else to appear, even though I'm scanning what he asked me to appear. Other people are in there with iPhones too, and they had a friend who had an Android, I guess, and he was having success. And then he was showing on his phone what they were missing. And then I turn around and the guy that I had asked for help had come in and was trying to do it also, and he was having problems with his phone. So it became this this kind of like running joke about like, okay, everyone with iPhones, <laughs> I guess you won't like, look at his, look at his phone. And uh, so I stepped out and, and the guy actually told me this. He said, it's kind of weird because I tested everything this morning with my phone before they turned off all the lights in the hall. And he said, I had better luck when it was a little bit brighter. So, so you're supposed to find ghosts when the lights are on. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> and to be totally honest, the ghosts were more like, um, do you know what the posterization effect is? It's like a video effect that was really popular in the 80s. Yeah. Uh, the ghosts kind of looked like that. Okay. It's kind of a neon orangey overlay of what was in the room. So, and you saw like the the one that I saw was a woman who had her back turned to me and she sort of shrugged her shoulders and looked down like she was having an emotional moment. Um, so yeah, that, that didn't, the summoning didn't really work for me. Yeah, me either. Glad we didn't wait in line. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so you, something else that you had done that I didn't get a chance to do is this, there was a circus in town. Yes. Tell me about that. That was actually one of the highlights of Scare Life for me. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, there were They had a big, wide-open um, patch of real estate kind of taped off for sliders because they had sliders throughout the weekend uh, performing for the crowd. And on the other side of that area where the sliders were having fun and entertaining people, there was an actual circus tent. And I, at one point, basically just wanted to sit down and rest because I, I was feeling a little <laughs> a little spent. So um, I it was a it was an upcharge of twenty dollars. Oh, it was. Yeah. Oh. So there was an upcharge. However, for twenty dollars, what you got was you got a half hour, full blown, professional circus performance. That's cool. And the first routine was a really unique. God, I, I, it, it's not a hula hoop routine because they weren't hula hooping. It was this guy who manipulated very large rings. And I, it, I, it's almost impossible to describe, but like seriously, Mike, the audience fell in love with this guy because he was just so charming and he was doing, he would wrap the rings around his body and form various shapes. He would mold them into various shapes. And I am not doing his performance justice in this description. Trust me. <laughs> It's like, yes, there was a guy with rings, but it was so much more. And by the end of it, the audience was just so charmed by him. Mm -hmm. And it was a great opening for this thing because it just puts you in a circus mood. And um, there was also a, an aerialist who did a full-blown aerial routine using a spinning ring. There was a contortionist, really 
traditional old-fashioned contortionist which had people gasping wow like she was amazingly awkward to watch <laughs> because you just kept looking at the the shapes she was forming with her body going like i i don't know how she's doing that and breathing so uh that was really really cool the highlight for me uh was of all people the magician the comedy magician very well known at alonzo nice from saved by the bell <laughs> yes <laughs> even though that's not how i know him <laughs> yeah right <laughs> you're like let's go to the max no he uh <laughs> he performed two different routines during the course of the show uh there was also a traditional mc kind of like setting up these acts and introducing them and uh at alonzo performed his his really really kind of signature piece which is a very very funny comedy straitjacket routine and then he also did an incredibly funny balloon balloon routine that just killed <laughs> it killed someone it killed someone yes nice. it did <laughs> but uh yeah that was um it was just really really high quality circus entertainment and ed alonzo doing his comedy magic it it was one of the highlights of the weekend for me. That's so cool. Yeah, I, I, I missed that. Yeah, I it was a blast. It was a blast, and it was it. Uh, I think you know, I, I talked very briefly to the woman who was sort of hosting people and 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 putting people in, getting people into the tent, and she said, I, "I my impression in talking to her is that some people didn't know what to expect that because they were doing some sideshow stuff on the stage next to this tent, right? At various times, and there was." Um, Rhythm Coffin, the band, was performing there. So there was darker stuff happening on the stage next to them. So I think some people got a little confused as to what would be in the circus tent. But, you know, um, I hope Scarlet keeps bringing, like, a wide variety of stuff like this in because this was great for me. I loved doing this. Awesome. Yeah, I didn't make it because uh, there was a couple things that we didn't get a chance to do inside this hall. Um, one of them was heretic, um, and man, always lines, yeah. you know, which, you know, kudos to them because the, their mystique, like more people want to know about them, but that's one of the reasons I didn't join you is because I was hoping to get in, but I was waiting in line and then I had to get to a panel and I, so I didn't get to do heretic. Right. Um, and then also there was, um, the flatline VR experience, uh, which you almost did. I but... almost did, but I ran out of time because I was trying to do a panel, and by the time I got back over there, they were closing up shop. Now, uh, hopefully the flatline thing will be making the rounds and will be released in various formats. I believe that's the intention for the flatline VR experience. Cool. So, yeah. Now, something that we should mention, Mike... Uh, th this was one was something that we witnessed early on, and I think they fixed it by midday. But when we were waiting in line for apartment 213, they actually came up and they moved the line once, and then they split and rearranged the line another time. And then I heard people at the Flatline VR experience who had time slots walk up, and then the Fast Pass or Press Pass people who were told that they were front of the line were saying, oh, well, we get priority, but other people had time slots. So that line got really messed up. Yeah, a lot of our friends were involved in that. And... So there were obviously, they did not have 
the line etiquette or line procedures in place before opening. Yeah, it seemed that nobody knew because when yeah. we were in in for in line for apartment two and three, you know, the person working there was like, "Wait, what? There's two lines? Like, what? What are you? Right. What? <laughs> right." But it seemed like it all got sorted, so which yeah, is good. Yeah, it, it just it was really frustrating. I know it cost some people some time, and uh, I know a lot of people tried to make up flatline later in the day and didn't make it on Saturday. But um, yeah, there were definitely some some hiccups in the beginning of the day of people not knowing what the procedures were. And I'm talking on the staff of Scare LA. So I know that was frustrating some of the vendors. You could see it. Right. One thing that Scare LA had a bit more of than last week were escape rooms so the good thing is is we were able to do a couple of mini escape rooms um that weren't at midsummer scream uh Mm -hmm. the bunker and puzzle amazement which is a new company that i hadn't heard of until this convention which you know that's what's awesome about these conventions is you can find these new companies and it's like oh here's another new one to try out like this is awesome what did you think of puzzle amazement they're hard, but super fun. I agree with that <laughs> because you know me, <laughs> I have puzzle and cipher and, uh, riddle issues. Um, I, well, I actually, um, I, we did, we did one of these together and then I did one of them with a different group than you. And I walked out and told you both times, I want to do the full version of this. If there's a full version. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a credit to them in the fact that their puzzles are intricate and fun, even though they are very challenging. And not to brag, but to totally brag, they told us we were the only team to escape from the burial ground room. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, but we literally within a second. Oh, wow. Second left. Yeah, we uh, unfortunately, we we missed an obvious clue. <laughs> yeah, you told me about that. And it's just like <laughs> just shaking my head. Yeah, it was um, uh, a couple people searched one area looking for clues and multiple people, multiple people missed the exact same clue. So um, but uh, still, it was really, really fun. Fun is the key word. Well, not only that, they had two rooms. Yes. So, I mean, up in the ante for escape rooms, (laughs) having two experiences. And we did the other one together. Mm -hmm. And we did not escape. We almost did. We were on that last part. Yeah, and that was another uh, complex puzzle involving lots of intricate pieces. Yeah, and uh, we didn't figure. We, I think, if we had like another sixty seconds, we might have gotten it. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) that's like we were uh, going in the wrong direction on one of them. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so check them out. Um, definitely, if you're an escape room enthusiast and you like hard rooms, have a feeling this is going to be up your alley. Yeah, definitely. And then also, um, the bunker experience was there. And yes. we did the bunker experience uh, maybe a year ago mm-hmm. uh, and had so much fun because there's a surprise at the end. And they had a mini escape game there as well that we had both played and... It was a cool way to do it because you're not really escaping. Right. Exactly. Who did you do this with? Uh, Dawson. Uh, and I did it with Addison mm-hmm. who showed up on Sunday. So, yeah. Like, how would you describe this? Um, you're, it's, you're saving a life. Yes. That's what I'll say. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, very, very cool twist on a short 10-minute experience. 
you know, you, you still have to find clues and solve riddles and, you know, work things out and multiple locks, unlock things. Um, but the end goal is a bit different, which yeah. is cool. Yeah. So that I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. And it was nice seeing um, B from the mm-hmm. Bunker Experience was there. And Charlotte. So, yes. Uh, thank you to both of them. Uh, really, really nice, fun experience. And not only that, um, they I was talking to them afterwards. And starting at the end of September, I believe, and going through October, they're combining rooms at their location. So they're having a 90-minute game. Oh, wow. And it there's... Look, there's a flyer, so this isn't spoiling anything, but it says multiple escape rooms, live actors, and in a maze. Yeah. Yeah. This has to happen. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, and I mean, just what we went to before was fun. So if they're combining, because we haven't tried their new room yet. No, we have not. So if they're combining the old room, what happens at the end of that with a new room and monsters and actors... I can't wait. This is going to be awesome. So there was another maze there. I don't know if you did it, but I did it. You did. I did not. So (laughs) there was a corn maze there. And it was just an inflatable thing that you walk through. And I hate saying this because it so, sounds so cheesy, but this was so much fun. Oh, man. Because it was a literal maze with dead ends, and you have to find your way back out again. Right. And it, it's something so easy. Not, it, not easy, but like so, something so simple. There were no actors inside. There were no monsters. It wasn't scary, it, you know, but it was just fun. Yeah. And you didn't do it? No. Were you scared? <laughs> no, it was it was just like it was one of those things I kept walking by like I should walk in through there. I, I should go through there. I should and I just never stopped and actually did it and I just ran out of time. So and when and when I turned around and they were deflating it at the end of Sunday, I was like, Oh damn it, I missed it. So another thing that, that you and I had done was they had an area set up, um, and they called it like the horror museum. Mm-hmm. Um and based on your love of Halloween. Oh my god. All of those like <laughs> artist proof but like photographs like i mean yeah they had these beautifully framed prints of on the set photos from john carpenter's halloween when it was shooting and just beautiful beautifully framed well mounted very nice stuff um uh, just just iconic images and behind the scenes images both and and they were just yeah, I, I, I got all warm and fuzzy walking through yeah. that area. And they had some cool art hanging up and they had some props. Um, yeah, it was it's, it's cool to see that stuff. It, it just it was an art display area. Yeah. And it'll be cool when the actual museum opens up and we can go anytime we want. Yes. Which is something that is hopefully going to happen in the next year or so, I believe. Yeah, supposedly. And then we ended our Scare with an immersive theater panel. Mm-hmm. And... But- you know, we were excited about this panel because it had some of the best immersive creators around. Um, you know, there's Darren from the Tension Experience. Uh, Justin from Creep and the Willows. Uh, John Braver from Delusion. Um, Paul from Wicked Lit. And the new kid on the block uh, who's starting something in Vegas called Elicitous Theater. Um, John was there representing that. And Brian from We Are Indie Horror was the moderator for this panel. Mm-hmm. 
And this this led into this is another one of those cha- those those cases, Mike, where I wish they'd actually had a little bit more time for the panel. Yeah, because hearing the stories about getting things ready and you know production and finding a place and writing, like all that, is so interesting because. And kudos to Brian, because one of the things that he had said is he wanted this panel to be more for the enthusiasts, like to hear information that we might not have heard before, you know, instead of the, how did you do this? Or how do you do this? That kind of thing. Uh, He wanted to dig a little bit deeper, which, which was really cool because he's a fan as well. So, you know, if it's something like if we moderated a panel, we would want to know stuff like we would ask questions of things we want to know. Right. You know? And and to be a little bit more specific, I think, you know, at times they touched on things like how do you handle crowd flow, you know, in an immersive piece that's two hours long and you're moving people from room to room and they're crossing paths, you know, and it, and it sounds a little bit boring, but permit and location issues came up. And but it's not boring if you're a really a fan of this type of work. Right. Because it affects you, the patron. And it affects the work that you see. So hearing conversations about how locations are dealt with and and augmented and utilized, all of that type of stuff is interesting. And, uh, you know, we got a little bit of a tease of what's coming from Wicked Lit and Elicitous Theater, uh, though that's the one from Vegas. Mm -hmm. They world premiered a trailer for their new piece. Um, That's going to be very interesting. Tickets go on sale after the haunt season this year. And... So it was it was a really nice informative bit about well you know what it was it was hors d'oeuvres it was a it was a teaser mm-hmm. for what was coming well, for the you, fall season. Well <sighs> there's good news and bad news also that you didn't mention. There will be no delusion show this year. Yes. But there will be next year. Yes. And I guess they already have a place. Yeah. Which that, is amazing to hear. That sounded awesome. So but yeah if if it is sad to hear there is no delusion. Uh it's interesting though that um you know, Wicked Lit also, you know, made it clear that they're back at the uh, Mountain View Mausoleum this year, and they're going to have a long run. Uh, so it's wonderful to hear that these things are going to be in place and have long runs that go slightly beyond the haunt season. Because already, I'm looking at October, going, "Holy crap! It's going to get going to get busy." Oh yeah, yeah, we're going to be nuts. Yeah, but in a good way. Yeah. <laughs> And I actually recorded the panel, so it's on YouTube, and I'll include a links to that in the show notes. So, uh, does that cover everything that we co- tried to fit in and take care of? Um, well, yeah. Before we wrap this up, let's let's talk a little bit more about like the vendor floor, and because there are there were differences that I saw between mm-hmm. last weekend and this weekend. Um, I felt like Scarlet had a more VR presence and more special effects like makeup and prosthetics there was a lot more people doing demos um because at midsummer scream it was basically larry bones um and his crew doing them Mm -hmm. but here there was a lot of booths um selling makeup doing makeup and like there's you know airbrushing and prosthetics and you know transfers and things like that um there's definitely a lot more movie oriented things um as opposed to haunts true this week yeah, and, and and going back to the VR thing, there was a few, but you know the lines just got so long, and I think that's gonna that's gonna be an issue when you have VR at these conventions because it takes time to set up, it takes time to give someone an eight hundred dollar headset and make sure they don't break it. You know, right. there's a lot of care that has to go into it. So 
if you are able to get in line early and, and see these things, that's awesome. But a lot of times people have that mentality of, oh, it's a five minute experience. I'm not going to wait an hour. I'm not waiting in that line. Agreed. And it's something that I heard actually after Midsummer Scream, I heard a couple of people who were a little disgruntled about, well, everything we tried to do was full. Right. Every Everything we tried to sign up at was full. Well, there's two sides of that. Yes, there should hopefully be more available to more people. Shorter experiences help that. I mean, we we complimented a couple at, at uh, Midsummer Scream last week. At, like, it's a six minute experience, and they're doing four people at a time, and they're moving them through. That that's a good thing. Um, more like that would be helpful. But you're right. The you you have to. You know, I know people who wanted to very badly to see the it VR thing, but were not about to spend their day waiting in that line. Yeah. And there's, you know, and there, I think there might be ways to do it, but unfortunately it's going to, based on how many people can go through, based on how much time, there is a finite number of people yes. that can go through. Exactly. I mean, look at what the escape rooms do. They mm -hmm. sign people up. They know it will at least take X amount of minutes if, you know, worst case scenario, like they don't escape and then another X amount of minutes for setup and they time it that way and they sign people up for time slots and they're, they get full within a half hour of opening. You know, if these experiences did the same thing and then had maybe a standby line, you know, maybe that would help alleviate some of it. Possibly, yeah. So I also noticed uh, something that I did not get a chance to see anything at, but there was a screening room here at Scare LA, which at one point I know got a huge line for one of the things that they were doing. I'm not sure which presentation. Uh, so that was active the entire weekend. There were various classes, um, which a couple of the areas on the vendor floor, Mike, were set aside for that sort of presentation. I always felt that was a little awkward. Mm -hmm. Sometimes if you have someone speaking and trying to like give information to an audience that really wants to hear it. And they're out on the floor where there's other noise and distraction going on. And actually Midsummer Scream had the same thing going on. So that's an awkward situation. Right. Because I went to a couple of those for, for a few minutes. Uh, I saw the ending of Madison and Luke's presentation from Crossroads on, mm -hmm. about escape rooms. And I saw part of Carolyn from uh, Mabel's Six Feet Under um, presentation. And it's the same thing. It's like it's just off to the side. It didn't feel official, if that makes sense. Hmm. Like okay. Because, yeah, it like does. you have you have a, a screen and you have have microphones and everything and you can hear but it's tough to pay attention when there's so much going on behind you and what scarily used to have um when they were at like you know in pasadena and at the the reef separate rooms for each of those right and i think that would have made it feel a little bit better um because the people that do go to those things like they're there to learn and they want to hear and they want to pay attention but sometimes it's just hard with everything going on right and on the way to scare LA vendor floor was laid out there were times when people literally were wandering through the presentation right almost. yeah so and another thing i want to point out about scare LA, the main stage area was this wonderfully beautiful separate main hall what were the projections on the wall just they look like uh atmosphere effects projections uh, yeah but during a presentation yeah you, uh, literally on both huge 
projections on two sides of the stage during presentations. And so like when the Elicitus trailer was playing during the, the, the panel that we went and saw, I kept getting my, I kept getting drawn away from the Elicitus trailer screen and delusion also had a wonderful behind the scenes, uh, presentation about their VR shoot. Uh, I kept getting distracted by what was like running on the wall next to the screen, which complemented the panel. I thought that was a really odd choice. Yeah, but it's for atmosphere, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> However, the I mean, the good things about the 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 vendor floor definitely the wide aisles, the layout. I I wish they would have gotten a little bit of the classroom vibe, a little bit farther away from some of the vendor vibe, but. The area felt wide open. It was bright enough that you could see anything you wanted to. Um, I saw um, a, a couple of really, really nice displays by some of the companies there, offering everything from art to toys. Uh, so, yeah, the vendor floor was fun. And um, their, their kind of like haunt area there. Oh, by the way, we never mentioned, the, well, we, we kind of like alluded to it, Scary Wood. Uh, was part of the haunt area. It was like uh, uh, something you'd find in a big active home haunt where there were little scare characters running around. Uh, I thought that was nice. It was it was a place I kept finding. I kept cutting through that area to, as like a path to get from one point to another. And what I kept seeing is families back there with kids because it wasn't too scary, but it was kind of creepy. So I thought that was really nice. And based on are playing of Friday the 13th. How many times did you just go and rip open a tent like Jason does <laughs> in the game? So Jason was running around. By the way, there was a nice cosplay Jason running around and it was the one from part... Oh my gosh, is it part... I think eight? No. Six. Yes. Oh, yeah, with the, the chains, lake. right? The lake, yeah. yeah. So yeah, with the one with the chains. So uh, and, and another thing that we haven't been talked about, but there was some nice cosplay running around. A group of trick-or-treaters was kind of fun. Uh, the And I'm drawing a blank on his name. The character from Jeepers Creepers was running around. Somebody oh. cosplayed him. Nice. Which I thought was really nice. Um, definitely some definitely, definitely creepy clowns running around. And I like clowns. I don't think clowns are bad. I don't have the clown phobia. So, uh, but yeah, the creepy clowns, clowns running around. Um yeah, I saw a lot of uh, a lot of interesting cosplay. Is there anything we haven't mentioned, man? Probably. I'm but... sure there is. <laughs> I was hoping you to remember. Yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> but as far as things that we did and were able to see, I think that's everything. Yeah. You know, it was a full weekend. How do you feel, you know, because last year it was very clear that they were separate entities, the two conventions, and they can both coexist. How do you feel this year? Hmm. I think the two conventions, Midsummer Scream and Scarlet, are developing different personalities. Right. I think that is a huge plus. I think it works in both of their favors. Um, as far as I know, uh, Scarlet is intending on being back at the LA Convention Center next year. I don't. I, I'm not saying that as, as an official thing. I, I, I just. I think that that is their intention. Um, so I think they're expecting to grow. I had more of a, I ran into more people that I knew at Midsummer Scream. I saw more different types of people at Scarlet. Right. 
So I don't know what that says about the crowd. Well, it, I think they the, there's there's a crowd separation. I don't know. I don't. I didn't see a lot of crossover um, because Midsummer Scream is definitely geared more towards Halloween and haunts, and I feel like Scarlet is more, leaning more towards horror and and movies. Um, and not so much haunts, mm-hmm. even though they do have a haunt presence, it's not their major draw. And it was not nearly as large as Midsummer Scream. So, yeah, I, I agree with that assessment. I really do. I think that's the that's. I think you're a little bit more astute and, and observational than I am this year. So, I mean, if if you're asking me the question I just asked you, like, I think they can coexist, except I think the crowd is going to split. And people are going to choose at this point instead of coming to both, which is unfortunate. Um, but especially being a week apart from one another, um, it's, you know, people, you know, money issues and, you know, people that have families finding babysitters and things like that. And also, I think vendors will start to have to face the same decision for some of the same reasons. And also, I'm sure as a vendor, it's exhausting to do oh, yeah. two conventions well, I mean, weekend even, to weekend. Not to sound like crybabies, but even for us, oh, like, yeah. it's it's exhausting just like walking around all day, you know, when we have desk jobs, you know, so <laughs> any sort of physical activity is like, oh, I have Shock to Shock to the system. Um, but, you know, I mean, you heard, like Monday, you had other stuff happening. So oh, um, that whole ambulance ER yeah. thing. <laughs> um, but, you know, even like today, it's just like, oh, I'm glad they're over, you know, and that's not taking into account the the setup and the teardown and the long hours and the the working their booths and you know things like that all of that it's just like i I don't know how you guys do it yeah it it is an impressive achievement for both conventions to pull off what they have pulled off um i think i agree with you that scarily i think is going to forge a different path. I think it's going to be a different crowd probably than Midsummer Scream. And that, that will be its strength in many ways. Um, it would be nice if the two conventions were not next to each other. Uh, I think for, for vendors, for fans, for participants of any level, I think that would be an advantage. And I think it would financially benefit both conventions. Yeah, definitely. So overall, though, I did have fun. Absolutely. I'm, I'm glad, glad I, I went to both yeah. conventions. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> there was there was enough um difference in both. You know, it's not like it was the same exact vendors, the same exact um like games or anything like that. You know, so it was good. I liked it. Yeah, I, I enjoyed both conventions. I uh, wish them both well. Uh, Scarlet, thank you very much to all of the crew and the staff and the volunteers. Wish you well and good luck for next year. Yeah. All right, but before we go, Russell, we have some shout-outs to give. Uh, The first one is, you know, just like last week, a huge, huge thank you to Madison and Luke and the crew at Crossroads Escape Games, uh, and also Andrea from Loot Crate for providing Loot Crates to give away to the winners of The Fastest Times. Um, Thank you, Madison, so much for keeping track of the times and you know, I, it was so much fun and people got so excited and it was really cool to see and, you know, feel their enthusiasm. So thank you again for working with us. It was awesome. And actually one of those winners, um, have a podcast and I met them and they have a podcast called the six demon bag podcast. So make sure to check them out, which by the way, I I have listened and it's fun. 
uh, also uh, Ashley and Brittany. Um, Ashley, I saw Ashley actually outside as I was climbing up and she looked like someone else. So we kept doing that weird, like, I think I know you. I think I don't. I might not, but I don't want to say anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when I was inside, they, her and Brittany were signing up for the 60 Out Escape Room. And she's like, are you Mike? And I was like, yeah. And so we talked and she listens to the podcast. And so just wanted to give you a huge thank you for listening. And it was awesome meeting you and awesome meeting Brittany. Um, So yeah, thank you. And I was lucky enough to run into them the next day, I believe. Yeah. 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 They they, they walked by and I was like, wait a minute, this is Russell. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes. Thank you guys for listening. Absolutely. And I would like to uh, do a quick thank you for... Uh, the chance to meet Haley and Dominic. We ended up doing uh, the escape room as part of the same group. And uh, they were in my group when I did the burial ground, Mike. Nice. So, uh, which we failed to escape and we died. Horrible deaths. Yeah, well, I love them. So <laughs> I'll give them a shout out too. So I, I kept running into them. I, like the, After you introduced me to them, I kept running into them over and over again. Yeah, they're, <laughs> they're, like, they probably think I was stalking them. They're great. So, and uh, I met TC, who uh, also listens to the podcast. And, you know, it was great meeting him. So thank you again to everyone who came up and said hi. Uh, and it uh, just much appreciated. Thank you for the support. And always, please keep us informed of what you're enjoying and what you're liking. And I, I kept doing that with people like, well, wait, what's what's your favorite thing you've seen so far? Yeah, so, it's, it's good to hear um, the lay of the land. And yeah, like what, definitely. What everyone thinks. So thank you to everyone who we ran into and even people, I'm, I'm sure there's people we haven't mentioned who said hi. Thank you to all of you. Uh, it's always, this is one of the best things, you know, Mike, Mike has said it multiple ways, multiple times in the last couple of podcasts. Part of the thing about the conventions is just connecting with people. And we really appreciate the chance to do it. And thank you all for listening. And, you know, thank you for saying hi when you have the chance. Yeah, because especially after what happened this past week, like it means that much more than you could ever possibly know. Yeah, it does to me. Yeah, definitely. So um, and thank you for all of the well wishes I got at Scarlet because <laughs> word had started to spread that I had I had been very, very sick the previous week. So thank you to everyone who wished me well and and sent me messages and, and all of that. I do appreciate it. And I'm fine. Really, I'm fine. <laughs> so I'm only crazy that's the only thing or just stop you're <laughs> digging a hole at this point man so but seriously thank you to everyone so with that being said i'm mike and i'm russell thanks for listening see ya yeah i would i would agree with that what did you say <laughs> what <laughs> nothing